You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We started this morning, and I plan to get through it all uh, this morning, and that obviously did not happen. But I think the Lord knew, and I think we'll uh, be fine just to finish up tonight from this passage of Scripture. I don't want you to miss the truths here in Matthew chapter 9. This was the reason Jesus came. He came, and He was preaching, and He was teaching, and He went to every city, and He went to every village. He went to the synagogues. He went to the religious crowd. And by the way, uh, he came to the Jews and the Jews had been looking for the Messiah. The Jews had been waiting for the Messiah. The prophets of old had prophesied of the Messiah. And then Jesus was looking them in the face and they didn't realize it. The Bible says that he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I'm glad that whosoever will can be saved. I'm glad that the gospel is available and salvation is free to whoever will call upon the Lord. We see in this passage, number one, we looked at it this morning, but if we're going to be burdened for souls, if we're going to be burdened for the lost like we ought to be and like Jesus wants us to be, number one, we must see. We must open our eyes. By the way, we must go to where the people are. I'm thankful that we, we have church, we need church, but church is not the end. Church is the beginning. We come to church and we get charged up and we get fueled up and we get ready to go and then we go out of these walls and that is the mission field. You say, well, I didn't know that Roanoke Rapids was a mission field. Every person on planet earth is a part of the mission field. And every person that does not know Christ needs somebody that'll share the gospel with them. But we've got to see the needs. I think it was D.L. Moody who said, I, I got to a point in my life, and D.L. Moody said that every person I saw, I imagined that on their forehead was either the letter S or the letter L. Every person, he said, is either saved or they're lost. And friend, I want to tell you, we need to see this world like Jesus sees it. We must open our eyes. Verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, it was then that he was moved with compassion. We said, secondly, this morning that Jesus saw that the people were scattered. He saw that the people had no hope. They had no purpose. They had no direction. They were lost. And people today without Christ, they are lost. People need the Lord. People need the gospel. People so desperately need the truth. And you and I, we've got the truth. Could you imagine if someone in our country, maybe down at uh, Duke Hospital or maybe someone uh, down at uh, Chapel Hill or maybe someone over at Wake or uh, someone down in Greenville. If somebody said, we've discovered the cure for cancer, it's a guarantee, a 100% immediate cure, and they kept it secret. They said, but we're not going to share it. We're not going to tell anybody. We're going to keep this to ourselves. We would cry out and we would say that is a crime and that is a shame and how selfish 
And how, how ruthless can you be? But yet as Christians, we've got the cure. We've got the cure to sin. We've got the cure to an eternity that is spent in hell. And it's the gospel. And if we don't share that with people who are lost, what does that make us? Makes us selfish, doesn't it? Makes us very foolish to have the good news of the gospel, but not share the good news with someone else. Number three, I want you to see in this passage, not only that we must see, and number two, the people were scattered, but number three, I want you to notice the shortage. It says in verse number 36, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad and there were multitudes of them. You say, well, pastor, where's the shortage? There was a lot of people. There were multitudes of people. There were tons of people. You're right. The shortage was not in the harvest. The shortage was in the laborers. The shortage was in the people that could go and help. Verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is what? Plenteous. There's a lot of work to do, but the laborers are what? Few. There was a shortage of laborers. Now, I could understand, I could understand that if there were a, a company in town and the boss was a first-class jerk and they didn't give you a paycheck and they didn't give you any benefits, they didn't give you any time off and they treated you like garbage, I could understand why people wouldn't want to go sign up and work for that company. But friend, we're not talking about that. We're talking about working and serving for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're talking about a, a king who has promised us that he will supply every need we have. He's promised us rewards in heaven. He's prom promised us a, a, a mansion in the skies. He's promised us eternity and our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And yet there's a shortage. Yet the laborers are few. I want to ask you this evening very quickly, why are the laborers few? When the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few and God is sending forth laborers, why are there not more laborers? And by the way, we're talking tonight about missions, but we're also talking about laborers in the church. We're also talking about prayer warriors. We're also talking about soul winners. We're also talking about nursery workers. We're also talking about bus workers. We're also talking about Sunday school workers and, and junior church workers. And we're talking about choir members. And we're talking about every ministry you can think of. And the laborers are few. You say, well, I don't know. It's just our church. <laughs> it's not our church. It's every church. Because Jesus said that the harvest would be plenteous, but the laborers are few. Why are the laborers few? I think one reason, I think that Christians, in many cases, are asleep. And can I tell you, when we're asleep, there's not a lot of work that gets done. Does anybody here have a job where you work and you get paid and they actually pay you when you're sleeping because you get so much of the job accomplished while you're asleep? If so, we're going to be talking to you after a while, and I'm sure there'll be others wanting to sign up for that. You don't get work done when you're sleeping. And spiritually, we're asleep. Spiritually, we are snoozing the time away, and we are wasting the time away, and the laborers are few, when in reality, we are asleep, 
and it's time to wake up. I think the laborers are few because we are distracted. And I'll, I'll say this as kindly as I know how, but in the United States of America, the average Christian is spoiled rotten. We've got more stuff than we know what to do with. We've got more clothes than will fit in our closet. We got more stuff than will fit in our house that we've got to get a garage and we got to get a shed and we got to get storage units. And forget about putting the car in the garage because the garage is already full of stuff. And we've got so much stuff on our shelves and we've got so many toys and we got so many gadgets and we got so many places we're going and we got so much stuff we are doing. Our schedules are jam-packed and with what is left over, we might squeeze God in. I want to tell you, we're distracted. Uh, Joanna has, has said this uh, about with our girls that she will, with their, uh, with their Sunday dresses, she'll give them a choice. She'll say, you can choose this one or this one. Because if she says, which one do you want to pick? It's almost like there's too many choices. And they get distracted and it's just, it's hard to make a choice. Can I tell you, as Christians, we get distracted. There's so much going on in our lives. There's so much going on in our world. There's so many commitments we've made that probably are not necessary. There's so many things we're involved in. There's so many things we follow. There's so many interests that we have that we have become so distracted that we are not willing to fill the shortage for laborers. I'll tell you another reason why the laborers are few is because Christians have become lazy. Now, I'll tell you this. We live in a country where people are lazy. You talk to employers in this area, and it's hard to find somebody that wants to work. And I think in many cases in our churches, we've got people that will come and they'll sit on a pew. And I'm thankful for people that will come and sit on a pew. And I know on Sunday night, I know I'm preaching to the cream of the crop. But can I tell you, we can't be lazy as Christians because there's a job for us to do. I think a reason that laborers are few is we have become worldly. We have allowed the world to take over our minds and the world has taken over our thoughts and the world has taken over our value system and we have become worldly and we have become wicked. Brother Dan spoke in our class a couple weeks ago and he talked about Demas. And the Bible says about Demas in 2 Timothy 4 that he was serving the Lord with the Apostle Paul. He was working with the greatest missionary that ever lived, but Demas forsook Paul and the reason was that he loved this present world more than he loved God. And I'll tell you, if you love this world more than you love God, you're not going to be serving God. And I'm not going to be serving God like we should. We've become worldly. We've become backslidden. Say, Pastor, how dare you even suggest such a thing because we're here in church. I know you're in church. I'm glad you're in church. I'm glad you're watching online. I'm glad you're listening on the radio. But did you know there are, there are times mostly when we get backslidden and it doesn't show up first on the outside. It starts on the inside. It starts in our heart. And maybe you're here tonight and maybe you are not serving the Lord or living for the Lord like what you should. And it's become because you are backslidden. It's because you are disobedient to the command of God. There's a shortage 
for labors. But then I want you to see quickly verse number 38. Jesus talks about the shortage of labors, but then he says in verse 38, he says, pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I remember growing up, I remember in Rockford, we uh, at our church there, it wasn't every Sunday, it was maybe once a month or once a quarter, but I remember we'd have a, a testimony time or even a prayer request time. And you know, it's amazing how some people can make a 30-second testimony last about 10 minutes or a 30-second prayer request, and after the story is done, it's 10 minutes later. So we don't do a lot of that in the service here because we like to keep things rolling along. But if you've ever been in one of those, one of those services where the, the pastor or the, the teacher will say, does anybody have a prayer request? And you go around the room and, you know, you write them down and you pray for one another. That's a good thing to do. Could you imagine being in a prayer meeting? Can you imagine Jesus walked in the door and he came down the aisle and he sat down on the pew? And this is a prayer meeting. And all of a sudden you're saying, does anybody have a prayer request? Because we got Jesus right here. He needs to know about it. And imagine the hand over here. I've got a, I've got a lost loved one. I've got a, a, a friend that's sick. I've got a person that needs a job. I've got a person that needs this. And, and we're going around with these prayer requests and we are intense because Jesus is sitting in the room and we're having a prayer meeting and we're thinking, hallelujah, this is great. And then Jesus raises his hand and he says, I've got a prayer request. I think we'd be writing that one down. I think... He would have our full attention when he says, I've got a prayer request. I've got something I want you to pray for. And here's Jesus' prayer request, Matthew 9, 38. He said, I want you to pray that the Lord of harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. Number four, there must be supplication. There must be prayer. We have on the back table, I was going to have the uh, ushers pass them out. I won't do that tonight for sake of time. We'll do it throughout the conference. But we have a list of missionaries that we started with in January. Miss Grace designed it, put it together. We have a list of missionaries that we can pray for. You know what Jesus' prayer request would be? For laborers. You know what Jesus' prayer request would be? That we pray for our missionaries. Missionaries come through and they, all, they almost all have prayer cards. I love the prayer cards and we get the prayer cards and we put them in these boards out here in this hallway. You know, you ought to have those prayer cards at home too. Stick them on the refrigerator or stick them on a dresser or stick them somewhere where you can go through on a regular basis and pray for missionaries. That's Jesus' prayer request. He said, pray that the Lord of harvest would send forth laborers. We've got prayer letters. I, I, I would love it if you take time after service or before service or during the week to come in and say, I'd just like to read some of these prayer letters or we'll make you copies if you need them. But say, I'd just like to come and I'd just like to spend some time praying for the needs of our missionaries. Can I tell you, Jesus had a prayer request and his prayer request was for missionaries, for laborers to be sent. God only had one son and he made his son a missionary. Missions is the heartbeat of God. Number four must be supplication. Number five, we see that the missionaries, the laborers, the soul winners, the servants are sent 
forth. Pray ye that the Lord of harvest would send forth. I want to remind you that God is the one who does the sending. Acts 13, it was the Holy Spirit who said, separate me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to do. Jesus said, as my father hath sent me, so send I you. The great commission has been given, go ye. So we're not sitting here at a missions conference. We're not waiting for God to send because he's already sent us out. He's already given us marching orders. We're waiting on God's people, us, to be obedient to his command. Number six, I see quickly there must be surrender. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he will send forth laborers. But you know the amazing thing about God? He doesn't force you to serve him. God will call and God will speak as he did with Isaiah. He said, who will go for us and, and whom shall we send? And Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. There must be a surrender. God doesn't force you to go. God doesn't force me to go. He doesn't force you to go to the mission field. He doesn't force you to go across the street. He doesn't force you to go soul winning, but he calls you to go and the choice is up to you to say yes or to say no. We must be willing to go. We must be willing to give so that others can go. Say, Pastor, God hasn't called me to go start a church in Washington State. No, you're right. But guess what? We're responsible for the souls in Washington State. So what can we do? We can give so that somebody else can go. We can pray so that someone else can go. We can get involved in missions so that the gospel can go out while we stay right here in our Jerusalem. We can still send it out to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Surrender. We must be willing to go. We must be willing to give. I'll talk about it more next Sunday, but I believe every Christian ought to be doing something for worldwide missions. Whether you write it on your, write a check every week or whether you do it online, you say, Pastor, I don't do anything for missions. Well, then start with something. Start with $5 a week. Start with $10 a week. Do something. You say, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't have $5 a week. Well, it's amazing. We have money for what we want to do. It's amazing how that the things that are important to us, we find a way. But what about missions? What can we do? Would we be surrendered to say, Lord, I'll go. Lord, I'll give. Lord, I'll do something. And then I see number seven. I see the service. It says, send forth laborers. That's work. The harvest requires work. The harvest requires long hours. When we lived in Illinois, we lived in Rockford until I was 16 and my dad took that church in Geneseo, Illinois, right real close to John Deere World Headquarters is right there in Moline, Illinois. And we lived outside of town there. And uh, boy, harvest time, it was amazing, those farmers. And it was amazing, that machinery. Brother Morris, you know about this, but it was not nine to five during harvest time. It was 24-7 during harvest time. We would be going home at night and those lights were on and they were in those combines and they were out in the field. How come? Because it was harvest time. 
And the harvest had to come in and everything else got put on hold and everything else got set aside because the importance of that moment was for the harvest to be done. Can I tell you, there's a harvest out there. It's a harvest of souls. It's people that need the Lord. It's people that need to hear the gospel. But it's going to take some work. Galatians 6, 9, the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And lastly, I want you to see the sacrifice. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. A laborer, a harvester, is one who gives up some things in order to do the main thing. As Christians, we must give up some things that are temporal in order to gain some things that are eternal. Romans 12, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's going to take some sacrifice. You say, well, I don't know. That might affect my schedule a little bit. It might affect my time. It might affect some things. Yeah, I think you're right. Do you think the brew bakers sacrifice some things to pack up everything they own and to go from church to church to raise support so that they can go to Washington State? You realize that from the East Coast, from Pennsylvania, and from Georgia, and to go to Washington State to start a church? You think there's some sacrifice there? Brother and Mrs. Miller, you think there was any sacrifice? And I, I know if you asked them, they'd say, no, we're glad to do it, and we get to do it. But do you think it was easy to say, we're going to pack up our family of five children that are still with them? Do you think that was easy for the school? And you think that was easy for jobs? And you think it was easy for, uh, for, for relationships and all of that? Do you think that was an easy thing? Oh, no, they weren't giving God their leftovers. They weren't giving God the extras. They said, God, we're giving you everything we have. And I wonder tonight what we would be willing to sacrifice. I wonder what we would be willing to give up so that people could be saved. I wonder what we'd be willing to give up so that more people could get the gospel. The Bible says that we are to pray that the Lord of the harvest, I'm glad that he's in control of the harvest. He's still Lord and he's still God and he's still sovereign. He's in control, but that the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.